on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. We've got something a little different for y'all. KOCO Chief Meteorologist Damon Lane joins us for an interview. We talked to Damon about the life of a meteorologist and how this crazy week of weather was for him. We bring you the latest OU football updates, the National College Football Roundup. We discuss Gus Malzahn taking the UCF job. We give you our winners and losers of the week and finish up talking a little OU, OSU, and Thunder in football guys talking basketball. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, February 18th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordofOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. I bet people wish they had one of those big trucks from there right about now. No doubt about it. Useful this week. No doubt. Now, recording this on Sunday night, Thunder are playing the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll keep an eye on that, but just a reminder – if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to leave us a five-star review and comment with what guests you would like us to have on the podcast. And we've got a, something a little different. We've got a meteorologist on this episode, Teddy. I don't. I I really hope people enjoy it. It's a it's a great interview with K, KOCO's chief meteorologist Damon Lane. But with the weather we had this week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to old Damon Lane. We follow each other on Twitter. I was like, I'm going to reach out and see if we'll come on the pod. And we can talk some weather, you know, kind of how you become a meteorologist, little sports. I think it will back well. the curtain a little bit, peel back the curtain. Yeah. I think that was great. I, I think he does a really good job, uh, by the way, not just cause he's on, on the podcast. I think he does really good. Not an easy job. Uh, I know we always feel like we could do it at times, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough job. He does really good. You just look at the radar. You just look at the radar. That's it. I, I think there's a, there's a little more to it than that, but we're all still miserable. This weather, 
is awful. Teddy, I lived in for two years. I lived in a combination of Buffalo, Detroit, and Cleveland for two straight years. And it was never this cold there. Not not even close. I mean, when well, it was minus 15 the other day or whatever the wind chill was, I was like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? I mean, I hate to one-up you, but I lived in a combination of Detroit and Buffalo for five years, and it was never that cold. And not even close to that cold. I, I don't think I've ever, anywhere that I've been skiing, what, anywhere, I don't think I've ever been in negative below zero temperatures. Now, wind chill, yes, but straight up below zero, I think that's a first for me. Just ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. But let, let's get to the OU stuff, and let's start here. Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock draft, he does a great job, right, for NFL Network, NFL.com, very well respected in the field. His latest mock draft, he, he's got Ronnie Perkins going 23rd overall to the New York Jets. Ted, we've, we've talked about Ronnie being a tweener when it comes to his measurables. Right. But we both love him as a player. And clearly, Daniel Jeremiah has loved, is loving what he's seeing on tape from Ronnie Perkins. But also, I sometimes think that people forget that these mock drafts, especially a guy like Daniel Jeremiah, he is putting Ronnie Perkins there for a reason. There's someone yep. in that Jets organization telling him that they love. Ronnie Perkins, or there, there's some sort of connection there where he's connecting a few dots. So that I think that's really good, obviously, for Ronnie Perkins, but that would be huge for OU to have another defensive player go in the first round of the NFL draft, especially a defensive lineman, Ted. Yeah, well, there's a couple of different ways to look at it, and you're exactly right. Daniel Jeremiah doesn't just uh, all of a sudden start looking at Ronnie Perkins film and say, ah, I think he'll go 23 to the Jets. No, not how it works. Someone at the Jets is telling him this, and there's a reason for that. If you're the Jets and you take a guy that is not in anyone's first round or even second round mock draft, and you take him with the 23rd pick overall, you will get absolutely destroyed in the media, okay? But if you start early, getting these stories leaked out, having people write good, positive reviews and articles about Ronnie Perkins and how good he's done and what they think of his film, you're basically getting the fan base acclimated for your pick, you know, because it's it's – the last thing you want is to surprise everyone in your fan base. Now it could turn into a good surprise and it's like, wow, what a pick. This was awesome. But if, if he doesn't ever live up to it, it's like you are really putting yourself out there. And the other thing is you, you often see guys go into the first round out of the first in some of these mock mock drafts. And a lot of reason for that. And this is the same thing, like with a coaching search, or a free agency search, kind of a, a poll of the fan base, right? To see, see how like, they react. 
what the reactions are out there. If, if you throw out a, hey, the Jets may be taking Ronnie Perkins in the first round and there's an overwhelming like, we need a defensive lineman, this is great. Well, then you feel good about it. But if there's like an overwhelming negative reaction, like what in the world are they doing, then you may peel that back a little bit. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, you would – you kind of hope or think that it's like it's all straight up, you know, film and evaluation and interview process and how they tested. But they're also going to, you know, search the waters a little bit out there, see what the fan base thinks. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to consider for an organization. But I, I don't know how much they weigh – the fan base's reaction, but it's certainly a factor. I mean, you're right. Uh, there's no doubt that they float some things out there to see how it goes. And it seems like from everything I saw that there was a pretty positive reaction to Ronnie Perkins being mocked there. So we'll see how it goes, but that had me fired up for Ronnie and also had me fired up for the future for Oklahoma, because the more, First rounders they have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that's only going to help recruiting. And that that is the improving the personnel on the defensive side of the ball is what's going to take the program to the next level. Uh, I I think we both agree on that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just off the top of my head. I think this would be the first time OU has had back to back first rounders defensively is probably Roy Williams and Andre Wolfold, 01 and 02. Could be wrong on that. Maybe it's happened since then, but I feel like that's it's, that's been a long time. You're, you're knocking on the door 20 years ago. Yeah, so some would say that would be significant. So uh, let's hope it happens. Okay, let's move on to Trayvon West. Uh, enters the transfer portal, and Ted, I won't lie, this one surprised me a little bit because – when I was doing coach's corner during the season, uh, there were a couple occasions where Dennis Simmons brought Trey West up multiple times to me without me asking about him, like unprovoked, brought him up, said that he loved the progress that he was making, uh, thought he would be a playmaker for them down the line once he got his opportunity. Everyone I talked to said he was a good kid, works really hard, and was really coming along. So, I was confused when I saw it announced that he was entering the transfer portal. So I reached out to a few people, asked around, and I was told this doesn't have anything to do with football. That, And I'm not going to put the kid's business out there, but that he is dealing with some personal issues. That, and all I really hope for him is that he, he's all good from that standpoint because the kid can play. And I know some people are out there going, oh, wow, that must mean that the freshman receivers that are already there early, you know, he got scared of those guys. I, I don't think that's it. Uh, I think this has more to do with uh, some personal issues for Trey, Trey West. But, I mean, it went as far as I had one person tell me that he wouldn't be surprised if that kid never plays again. So uh, I, I'm just wishing him the best, right? You, you you always wish the kids the best when they move on and they enter the portal. But with how this is kind of sounding, you you just hope that 
everything's all good with him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting whenever you, you think about the transfer portal that well, there's over a thousand guys have entered the transfer portal this year. And I think only 290 or so have actually gotten scholarship offers and signed at a place. So the transfer portal is not a guarantee. Now we see it and we hear about the big name guys that get, get caught on somewhere, but it's not always a, a guaranteed thing. So yeah, I hope that he finds a place. I hope that he squares whatever his issue is and is able to, to get back out there because here's the one thing I know you don't get offered a scholarship to play wide receiver at Oklahoma. If you're just some nobody, I mean, right. they are very meticulous about who they offer at wide receiver because they can get pretty much anyone that they want at that slot. So uh, the fact that Oklahoma thought highly enough of him to, to bring him in here says all you need to know about his talent. Yeah. So so hope everything works out for him. Okay, one more thing. Uh, ESPN put out an article where they picked the most intriguing newcomer for each team in their way too early top 25. And for the Sooners, they selected Billy Bowman. Now, their reasoning is that he's the most intriguing because we don't really know where he's going to play, which, yes, makes it very intriguing but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Ted, because we're, we're starting to see, you know, the OU football accounts putting out all these pictures, right, of all the newcomers. You know, they, they've gone through their photo shoots. Everyone is being kind of weird and dissecting how all these kids look physically from these photos. I'm guilty of it, too. We're all doing it. It's okay. But I thought that that selection was easy because I kind of leaned towards Clayton Smith a little bit with mm -hmm. the things I'm hearing about him, the, the phrase, this kid has the juice has been thrown around about Clayton Smith. So what, what do you think about ESPN going with Bowman? Well, it's not shocking. I've heard, you know, from, from the recruiting guys that kind of have the boots on the ground that go to some of these recruiting camps and go around and watch these guys play high school football and stuff like that, this name's been thrown out there a bunch. Like, that he's going to be able to do all kinds of things. They don't even know what position they're going to play him at, offense or defense, wide receiver. Like, he can do so many different things that it's just incredibly exciting to, to think about what all could happen there. Uh, so it's not shocking that that's the name. Like, if, if I hadn't seen this and someone would just ask me, who do you think everyone's picking as the – the newcomer, I would have said that's the exact name that I would say that everyone's picking. That's probably not who I would have picked, but I'm kind of like you. I like Clayton Smith a bunch. I think he's going to be fantastic. Um, you know, I, there's a chance that he pushes for a spot right out of the gate to at least get on the field quite a bit. And that's not easy to do considering that some of those spots are locked down pretty good. Yeah, and, and for Call Your Shot, I actually put the tweet out there, which newcomer for OU are you most excited about? We got a ton of responses, and the majority of them were Billy Bowman or Clayton Smith. So I, I think when you look at one guy on the offensive side and one guy on the defensive side, 
that a lot of people are excited about. It, it is Smith and Bowman, but I I do think some people are forgetting just how good Mario Williams is, and and that's who Aaron Ellis at Aaron Ellis five on Twitter chimed in with. I mean this this kid was a five star. I mean dominating down there in the state of Florida. I've been told that he looks about as twitchy as anyone they've had there in a long time. So I'm hoping people don't forget about Mario Williams because I I don't know if it's going to be an instant impact. Like it's going to be hard for some of these young dudes to get on the field, right? With all the production that's coming back. But man, the, the exciting part, I suppose, is there's so many guys to choose from when we're, you know, bringing up this topic. I know I, there really is. And, you know, obviously newcomers, a lot of it is, you know, offensive guys are always going to get a boost there just because more well-known with the, you know, when you've got the ball and you're scoring touchdown and, and putting up production, that obviously creates a lot of excitement and uh, notoriety. But I mean, Latrell McCutcheon corner, going to have a chance to be immediate impact guy um you know you just kind of look down the line defensively and there's some guys like danny stutzman linebacker out of florida he's like he's one of the lowest ranked recruits in this this entire class that's not going to be the way it plays out on campus i can i can assure you i mean he he's going to be fantastic right out of the gate uh there's probably going to be some learning curve at at backer but I think he's going to end up being a, an absolute stud. So, I mean, th- the list is honestly, we talked about it at the time, not the biggest recruiting class in the country, but player for player, it's really, really good. I will say this as I went through all the pictures of the new guys like an absolute weirdo. I did it. You did it too. Don't judge me. Anyone listening to this going, what's he talking about? You did it. You know you did it. I would say the two guys that I thought won the photo shoot for me were Isaiah Coe, who looks the part there as an interior defensive lineman. And then I don't think it's possible for a defensive back to look better than Jordan Mukes does. The guy looks like an NFL player already. Like he, he looks, I, I know he's raw and it's probably going to take him a while to adjust to a, a position there, but he looks massive. Ted, I saw that picture and I was like, wait, this kid plays safety. What? Yeah, they've got him listed at six four. I, I think uh, as far as the strength and conditioning, maybe you had him just under six four. But yeah, I mean he's a giant. And you, we we talked about the Key Lawrence kid from Tennessee coming in at safety. He's really big too. Just a different looking defense. And I I gotta say, Gabe, I. I was worried a little bit when they released those pictures and you checking out the back ends of some of these football players, if you're going to be okay, seeing who's got the junk back there, who's going they to be a good player. They didn't give us any rear shots. It was all did frontals. You, Ridiculous. Did you ask the, the recruiting? Uh, you need to send uh, Annie an email. Listen, we need some shots of these guys from the back. <laughs> Everyone knows that great football players are built back to front. I want to see calves. I want to see hammies. I want to see glutes. I want to see what that back is talking about. Come on, Ted. You know how I roll. <laughs> I know it. I know it. That 
I don't send that email though. That could land you in jail, possibly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to fire that one off. Okay, let's get to our interview with Damon Lane. It, it's really fun. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And you know you better go buy some rock and roll tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take our word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. It is our pleasure to be joined by arguably the busiest man in the state of Oklahoma this week. He is the chief meteorologist for KOCO5 First Alert Weather. He also makes the best jalapeno poppers on earth, according to him from a little oh, research wow. I did. I, I know that's a, that's a thick marketplace too. There's a lot of people that boast some pretty good jalapeno poppers. Damon well, you know what? Lane. Since I'm on here, I want to give you all my secret. Okay. But, but you, you can't go telling everybody. All right. So the secret, you got to put like a little bit of shrimp, a little bit of pineapple inside of it, make it hot, make it sweet. That's my secret to making the world's best jalapeno poppers. Okay. Yeah. Sounds that's good. That sounds legit. Okay, Damon, obviously it's been a crazy week for weather here in the state of Oklahoma. I'm sure it's been a crazy week for you, but I'm going to start this off with a really stupid question because <laughs> I, I have no idea how one becomes a meteorologist, especially a meteorologist on television. Like I get that you <laughs> go to school for it, but after that, like what's the process to getting to the level that you are at now? Because I, I have a feeling it's a little more complicated than people may think. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you're right. You're exactly right. Uh, the, short, the short version to it is, uh, number one, you got to be willing to relocate. And uh, number two, got to have thick skin. Those are the two things that I always tell anyone that wants to go into television. Are you willing to move for the job? Uh, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and I found my first job in a little small town in West Texas called Abilene. Um, and, uh, and then number two, you know, in order to make it to where uh, I am today, uh, you know, I've been doing this now for uh, in television now for almost 20 years on camera now for 16. But 
uh, you got to have thick skin. And, and you know how the media industry is. You know, people will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll want to rip you apart uh, for every little thing. And you got to be able to say, you know what, it's, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, and so to get to Oklahoma City, I would easily say this is by far the number one weather market in the entire world. I mean, Hollywood doesn't come out here and make a movie about, you know, what we do if it, if it wasn't what it was. But it's a, uh, you know, it, it, it's a place that I absolutely love. Uh, as a meteorologist, it doesn't get any bigger than this. And uh, as you just mentioned, you know, the, the weather keeps us on our feet. A lot of times people think that it's severe weather season. That's a big deal out here. But uh, I'm beginning to, after this cold outbreak that we just had, man, maybe the winters are, uh, are becoming an even bigger deal, too. So there, I guess whenever you go to school to be a meteorologist and, and you know, there's tons of in-depth learning on it, is there kind of like a fork in the road? Like um, you either go and kind of do like the energy and, and some of those big energy firms that hire meteorologists like uh, to try and predict, uh, you know, gas usage and stuff like that, or you try and go the television route. Is that kind of like the two biggest parts of being a meteorologist that you can choose from? You know, actually, it's interesting. Uh, you know, broadcast meteorology makes up only one, uh, one half of 1% of all weather jobs out there. You kind of touch base on the energy sector of it. Uh, just looking at the people that I graduated with back in college, a lot of them kind of went into the weather service, went into the research role. Um, but there are a lot of other sides to it. Uh, one of my friends went on to become a meteorologist for uh, sporting events. He actually uh, works with PGA and NASCAR, uh, helping to forecast uh, you have aviation meteorology, which is obviously, you know, with, with, with aviation and the big airlines, the legacy airlines are always hiring uh, people for that. So there's actually so many different fields out there that you can get into. And for me, actually, I didn't even know that I was going to go into broadcast. Uh, I was a uh, I was at Old Dominion University and they said, well, you have to have an internship. And I said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll try this whole television thing out and, and see if I like it. I actually thought I was going to go become a pilot. And uh, one thing led to another and I ended up in West Texas. And then uh, in 2009, I found myself in Oklahoma city and the rest is history. Now I, uh, I definitely want to talk about the ridiculous weather this week, Damon, but I, I, I'm so fascinated at the process of becoming a meteorologist. Like, w- was this something that you loved when you were a kid? Like, did you, did you grow up loving watching the weather channel? Like how does that work? (laughs) You know, I think every single person that I've ever talked to, they always say there's always one particular event that just gets them excited for weather. If you're in Oklahoma, usually it's May 3rd uh, or, you know, now talking to some of the uh, the kids that are at OU, they'll say, Oh, you know, May May 20th, you know, really got me excited about weather. Um, But for me, I think I just always had it in me. Uh, there was really no one particular event that just kind of made me excited and said, this is, this is what I want to do. Uh, I just said, Hey, you know what? This is, um, I, I enjoy, I enjoy science. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was a guy that could probably, um, you know, tell you exactly when, you know, certain weather hits were going to hit on the weather channel when I was, when I was a kid, but it's actually, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun. Um, there's no two days are alike. And, uh, and, and it keeps me on my feet going to school to get my meteorology degree. It's kind of funny because they don't actually ever teach you how to forecast in meteorology school. They, they kind of talk about like the processes of the atmosphere and, 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 and how everything works. And it was when I decided that I was going to go get my meteorology degree, um, college was not what I thought it was going to be as far as like at least getting my degree. I thought that they would teach you how to forecast, but instead it, it's all this math, it's all this physics. And I kind of joke around that, 
uh, I probably more so have a math a math major than I do a meteorology major because all it is is numbers. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, and, and if you can survive meteorology school and get through the get through the math and all that stuff, uh, you'll 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 find out that that uh, it's it's smooth sailing thereafter, and kind of goes to show you like just how difficult the programs can be at these universities because to sit there and say that trying to forecast a winter storm or an Arctic outbreak or a, uh, a severe weather outbreak is, uh, is smooth sailing is, uh, is, is definitely not something that is, is uh, easy to say, but man, <laughs> some of the, some of the hardest years of my life were just trying to get through differential equations and calculus one, two and three and all that stuff. Well, I imagine that has a lot to do with some of the modeling out there. So, I, my question is, you know, we're cruising along. It's it's a fairly normal winter. I guess we did have the the er, really early ice storm, but we're cruising along, not a whole lot going on. And then, so whenever you got a model, what, however you go about that, that's spitting out like it's going to be negative 15 degrees and we're going to get all this crazy snow and stuff. Like, how long does it take you – to like get up the courage to like present that on air instead like to where you feel like you're not fear mongering and like pushing a bunch of, because I got to, I got to imagine that whenever that stuff started to come across, there was probably part of you that was kind of in disbelief considering we haven't seen any numbers like that around here in gosh, maybe ever. Ever. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. So let's take, for example, this Arctic outbreak. Um, we actually kind of saw some hints at something like some, some big time cold coming in in the month of February, all the way back in November. And really, uh, you know, when you're talking about months in advance, you're, you're more so just saying, well, it looks cold, but, but how cold is it going to get? And so we get weather model, each weather model for the most part will update three or four times a day. And you'll be, you kind of see it two weeks out and you think, well, I remember seeing hints at this back in November, um, but really you almost have to look at something for a good week or so before you're like, okay, like this is not changing at all. Uh, so case in point, back at the uh, end of January, started kind of pushing out on in news stories and, and, and online content with the stories of, you know what, it, it looks pretty cold in February. And of course, a lot of times people will say, well, it's wintertime. Of course, it's going to be cold, right? Well, then you end up kind of seeing the consistency and you're like, wow, it looks really cold. Okay, maybe this is just a fluke. And after about a week, you say, you know what, I, uh, I, I think this thing is going to do it. I'll never forget telling my, uh, telling my news director and I, and I shot her a, an, an email. I said, hey, I'm going to put something in the forecast um, about 10 days from now, and it's going to be incredibly cold, but I need you to know that it's coming because it's one thing to forecast cold and then one thing to forecast record cold. You know, we've had, we've had a, a few cold outbreaks here and there, but to go 14, 15 degrees below zero, I mean, that's something that if you're in North Dakota or even up in Minnesota, that's a big deal. So you look for, you look for the signs, you look for the consistency, you look for the trends and just how the data is, is rolling in, um, and it and it starts months. It starts months from you know before the actual event happens, and then you begin to kind of fine tune and, and kind of tweak it a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think probably uh, a, a a way that you could compare it, you know, into, into the sports field is you know it's, it's in sports. A lot of times we like to make 
forecasts or projections on how many wins are the Oklahoma City Thunder going to win, or you know, is it, is it going to be over or under this number? And yeah, like one time as I forecasted you, that Anthony Davis was not going to be a good NBA player because he was too skinny, and uh, we all know how that turned out. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you you all get it, y'all get it. So yeah, it's science, it's it's math, it's probability, and uh, you know, you start you start big, and then you just kind of uh, hone in and. Uh, begin to tweak it as you get closer. And, but the forecast of record, I mean, that's, that's something. And, and really, it probably wasn't until last taking for this week this cold. It wasn't until probably last Thursday when we were like, wow, there's nothing that's going to stop this cold. I mean, even if we're not at 15 below zero, if you're at zero degrees, that's still a big deal. So, uh, so yeah, so it starts far out in advance. And uh, it, it, can take a, it can take a while to, to really get the, you know, the courage to kind of say, okay, this is going to be, the biggest story of your entire life. Uh, but you just kind of watch it and, and watch the trends and, and go from there. So you guys get a lot of criticism when you don't get it right, right? It, it's like predicting right. the weather oh, yeah. is, is difficult. I mean, can you believe that? It, it, it's hard. <laughs> but when you do nail it like this, but it ends up with people being miserable and stuck in their houses <laughs> and you'll, you know, their pipes freezing and losing power and all this stuff. Like, what, what is your reaction to all of that? Because you did nail your forecast. Like you said, it was going to be miserable. You said there was going to be a ton of snow and that's exactly what happened. But then you also look at it and you're like, well, all these people are, uh, aren't in the best situation. So are you, are you a little subdued with your reaction? You know, it's, it's really hard because a lot of times we'll, we'll give a weather forecast and, uh, and, and you try to say, okay, I just presented this information. Now, what is someone going to do with the information that I just gave them? Are they going to brush it off or are they going to actually try to make changes ahead of schedule? And, and a really good example of that is, uh, is about 10 years ago, there was a, a winter storm that hit Atlanta, Georgia. Down in the south, they don't get much snow. Well, the meteorologist went on on air and said, you're going to have one and a half inches of snow. And everyone just said, oh, one and a half inches of snow. But what wasn't given was the, were the impacts of what will this one and a half inches of snow do to the city? Holy cow. Like people slept in their car that night. Traffic was a nightmare. Hardly anybody moved. And it was all because people were presented with a weather forecast, but they weren't presented with an impact of what should I do with this information? So when we present this type of, of, of detail and, 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 you know, kind of heads up about what's coming was coming in your direction. Um, it's it's not so much about the numbers, but also about how is this going to affect how is this going to affect my life. And so, you know, sometimes you just say, and, and especially in a situation like this, when you have cold that people have never experienced before, if you've never experienced it, you don't know what you don't know. And I think you know, if anything, people kind of come out of these events and say, "Well, I learned something new out of this," and that is that my pipes can't handle, uh, you know, a, a two degrees, temp- a two degree temperature for five days in a row. Next time I should, I don't know, you know, wrap them with heat tape or whatever. So I think everyone kind of comes out of these and, and, and they learn something new about, uh, about what mother nature can do, what weather is like, and, and more importantly, how weather can impact. And so, uh, you know, if it's not winter weather, it's severe weather, um, or, you know, back in, on May 20th, 2013, after that tornado that went through more, 
tornado shelters. Everyone said, I got to get a tornado shelter put in. And now tornado shelters are, are, are a huge thing anymore. So, um, it, you know, it's really just every, every event kind of teaches us something new. You know, at least for me anyways, Gabe, I, I feel like it's probably the same for you. Like whenever we, definitely whenever you play in a game, but even like whenever we do the OU football broadcast of the games now, there's like, um, it, it's a bit of an adrenaline rush and it's kind of hard to wind down a little bit, which I'm sure like whenever you've got a, a six or eight hour broadcast during tornado season that, you know, it's, it's going, there's a, like adrenaline flowing. It's probably hard to, to mm-hmm. go home and relax and, and get a night's sleep. But how, how does it work during a two, three, five day event where you're constantly trying to keep up to date? You're constantly have to be ready to, to cut into television. That's got to be pretty exhausting mentally. It is, it is. It is very exhausting, uh, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that especially in, in, in media, television, radio, when people want you to be there, you have to be there. And no one is going to care that you're tired. If there's a storm that's, that's coming down on them, they, they want the information and, and they want it out. Um, it is very exhausting. A- absolutely. And you, you almost in these situations just have to say to yourself, look, there are times when you're going to have to work really hard and you're going to work some long stretches and you hope that you have the support of your family to understand that, Hey, you know what? There might be a blizzard on Christmas Eve and I might not be home. Um, and, but when, you know, July and, and August come around and it's nothing but quiet weather, uh, you say, you know what? It's, it's okay if you can step back because it is, it is a long marathon. Uh, and especially in Oklahoma city, the way that weather is out here and how weather coverage is, is handled is that this is a this is a market where you have to know what you're getting yourself into before you arrive. There are some people that like the kind of job. I, I, I always say that, you know, you can choose a career, you can choose a job. And there are a lot of people that are more so just looking for a job and they're jumping around and, you know, they hardly stay committed to one television. Um, but I've seen people come into this market. I want to see a tornado warning again. I never want to be in a television market that has active weather or even, I don't even want to be in television anymore. Um, so you really just have to, you have to prepare yourself long beforehand for what you're about to put yourself into and, uh, and, and hope that you have people nearby that, that support you. Um, because it's, it is challenging. It, it really is. My wife used to work in this television market, Oklahoma city. So, uh, the very first year that that we were married and I said, Hey, I'm not going to be home on Christmas because we've got a blizzard. And, uh, you know, she understood that. So it, it, it is tough. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot like, uh, you know, a lot like the sports world where your, your off season is, is very, is very short. And so you hope that, you know, people understand that coming into it, um, that you have the support of others and, uh, and have fun with it, you know, because it is, these are positions that are very unique. And, uh, but people absolutely, there are so many people that would absolutely love to be in the, in the shoes that, that we're all in, you know, whether it's in media or being a meteorologist in television, uh, in Oklahoma city. Okay. Damon, there was a clip going around before the snow hit and it was <laughs> of a Tulsa meteorologist throwing shade at Oklahoma city meteorologists <laughs> saying that you guys, some of you guys 
like to scare people with your predictions. I'm just curious if you saw that clip and uh, I was wondering maybe what your reaction to that clip was. Oh yes. Uh, Twitter that, you know, that, that clip I was, I was tagged in it. And uh, you know, my whole take on it is that uh, as, as a meteorologist, we, we all have access to weather information that is so far in advance as far as, you know, with the technology that we have nowadays, whether it's a hurricane, you know, people get a, people get a heads up that a hurricane is coming to the coast, you know, seven or eight days in advance and they're able to start preparing, um, you know, if it's severe weather, you know, we can sometimes start looking at, you know, there might be a chance for severe weather four to eight days from now. Um, our, our goal is always to give people as much of a heads up as possible, especially when you have something that is as big as what was coming this way so that you can make the best plan for you and your family. And especially in a pandemic where not many people are feeling comfortable walking into a grocery store and you know that the grocery store is going to be the number one thing that people always are going to go to before you have a, uh, you know, before you have a big winter storm, you say, well, for example, my wife, she loves to do the, uh, the curbside pickup at Walmart, but she also knows that she's not going to be able to make, uh, it's going to take her two or three days to put in her request and then have, have the ability to pick it up. So we knew that we were, you know, kind of time was out on our side with this. And so kind of going back to forecasting numbers or forecasting an impact, you kind of get to a point with snow where eventually you just say there's not much of a difference between four inches of snow or six inches of snow or 10 inches of snow. At, at some point, it, it's, it's all difficult to travel in. It's all going to shut things down. And so, but as far as, you know, my, my whole take on everything, you know, I mean, having thick skin, uh, you know, I, I can, we can all disagree and still be friends. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any, any hard feelings to anybody uh, that, you know, might, might be critical of, uh, of our weather forecast. Yeah. That's not probably what you were saying behind the scenes. Come on now. We know what was going on. <laughs> Maybe fired off an angry text message or something. Now <laughs> I, I was, I've always wondered, is the weather coverage drinking game, is that something that's only Oklahoma or when you talk to some of your meteorology friends around the country, is that something that happens in a lot of different markets or is that just here? No, I, I think that is, I think that is just an Oklahoma thing. Uh, nice. And I, as, as far as I know, I have, I haven't seen any other, uh, any other drinking Oklahoma weather drinking games or any, you know, Louisiana or Texas drinking weather games. Um, but you know, what we do, what we do in Oklahoma city is just so unique and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's its own season. I mean, I, I remember talking to our sports director, uh, before I even came to Oklahoma city, Brian Keating over at, uh, here at KOCO, him and I, we worked together in Abilene, Texas. And uh, when I told him that I was coming up to Oklahoma city and this was back in 2008, 2009, he was like, Oh man, he's like, I love severe weather coverage. He's like, I will sit down and watch it from start to finish. It is so much fun. Um, and, and, and it, you know, people out here, they, they love their severe weather coverage. Uh, now, they're also going to hate it if you interrupt their favorite programming. Um, but it, it is something that, you know, we're, uh, when we have technology here to be able to do what we do, um, you know, you, you make the best of it. And, uh, and, and it, it does go a long way. I know that people will kind of joke about drinking and, and, you know, oh, take a shot every time you hear hook echo. Or, you know, if, if someone says, 
you know, I don't know, more tornado warning, you know, take a drink. But also, um, that goes to show you that people are really paying attention to what we do. They're getting the message out because there are a lot of there are a lot of places in the United States where people don't get that advanced warning on, uh, you know, days in advance to or even care to watch severe weather coverage. You know, there are sometimes people say, I didn't know there's a tornado warning until, uh, you know, until the tornado was was coming into my yard and where I was out here. Uh, people get a lot of get a lot of heads up, you know, days in advance. Um, so whatever it takes to keep people's attention, I'm all for it. You just got to be careful, though. I mean, it, during a broadcast, you could accidentally say twin vortices about 10 or 12 times, and you'd have the entire <laughs> state absolutely destroyed uh, off of downing their beers. So be careful with those twin vortices. I might just say that a couple of times next time just to uh, yes. uh, just to get a reaction. <laughs> uh, Damon, you, you mentioned interrupting programming. You, you're very active on Twitter. Uh, I follow you on there. You're great on there. I'm just wondering, what do the mentions look like when you cut in, let's say, during The Bachelor on a Monday night? Oh, man. Or I, I, I assume that uh, that fan base is comes after you pretty hard uh i'll i'll take it a step higher than that my wife is part of that fan base and so it's one thing it's one thing to get a twitter mention it's another thing to get a text message uh that that says what are you doing uh you know what yeah i it's it's tough i'll never forget my very first um my very first severe weather event as chief Uh, rick mitchell had just left and I had just been promoted to chief. And so I'm looking at the weather data. I'm thinking like, okay, this would be severe weather. The very first severe weather event I'm going to have is going to be on OU, Texas. Oh no. Mm. I'm thinking if I have to interrupt OU, Texas for a tornado warning, um, this is, I, I, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if I'm, I'm prepared for the, for the, the hate mail that's going to come in. And so we're in the fourth quarter and kind of getting into that window where storms might start going up and, I'm looking at the radar and I'm looking at the, the clock and I don't even remember if it was a close game or not, but I just know that like, I felt like the clock, it was taking forever for the, <laughs> uh, for the game to end. I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, it's going to be like one minute left in the game and a tornado warning is going to go up. I, I kid you not five minutes after OU Texas was over our very first warning. And but I, I tell you what, I was, I, my, I had my, my fists, I had my hands clenched real tight, thinking like, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Um, so, if the Bachelor is bad, I can't imagine interrupting OU Texas. You know that that could be that could be even worse. <laughs> well, is have you found that there's a fan base that is maybe the uh, the most outlandish whenever they get upset? Maybe it's CS, CSI Miami fans, sports fans, Bachelor. <laughs> what show is it that you've gotten the most kickback on? Um, the bachelor bachelorette is definitely the one that I will, I will get messages before the show even begins that will say, <laughs> are you going to play? Don't do you plan do on cutting in? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We, um, a couple of, uh, back in, gosh, what was it? Was it 2013, 24, whenever the thunder and the heat were in the NBA finals and ABC was carrying the game and we had a whole plan set up about, okay, what's going to happen if we're going to get, if, if we get severe weather at all during the Thunder Heat final, because it was on ABC, it's in the week, it's in the month of June, still severe weather season for us. How are we going to do this? And we had, 
we sat in about a one hour long meeting trying to trying to determine, okay, what, what are we going to do with the game? Where are we going to push the coverage? What are we going to do? Thank goodness we never had to. Um, but we do have, we, we think, you know, long in advance as far as like, okay, what's the programming going to be for tonight? What, do, what are we dealing with? Um, but I, yeah, back to the original question here. The Bachelor Bachelorette is by far the number one thing that I will, I will always get a heads up on. Not, again, not through Twitter, but, but even through a through, uh, text message from the wife. Damon, why are, why are the Thunder so bad at losing games? Well, what's, what's, what's going on here? I thought it was supposed to be a tank season, man. What are, what are they doing? You know, it's funny, actually, I, I am a huge Thunder fan and, um, I, I didn't follow basketball that much until I moved out here growing up in DC, we had the bullets and kind of growing up as a bullets fan, you were just kind of used to having some disappointing seasons. And, but we would always go to the games growing up because the the tickets were so cheap. And I remember this was back when the Dallas Mavs were absolutely horrible. So, and, and it was like one of the few guarantees that the Bullets were going to win was when they played the Mavs. So I grew up as a Bullets fan, and then, and then I kind of fizzled out. And I'll never forget, um, I was on a job interview. And in the same week, I had uh, flown here and interviewed here at KUSCO. And then um, I also had a job interview two days later up in Seattle, Washington. And this was right when the Sonics had left Seattle and come to OKC. And so I, I, I get out of the airport up in SeaTac. And there's a huge billboard that said, don't worry, Seattle, we'll never sell you out to Oklahoma. And it was for like a craft brewery or something like that. Um, but I remember like that was my first taste of like, wow, like what? Like I was aware that there was an expansion team or a team relocation and I was kind of familiar with it. But um, I'm going to go ahead and just blame the fact that uh, the, it, it, the reason why we're not doing too good, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to blame the weather. You know, if you got a name like Thunder, and we're not, we don't have much Thunder. I feel like that's their, that's their mojo. You know, I know, I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but uh, you know, even if they are quote unquote tanking right now, they're actually a really fun team to watch. Um, I absolutely no love watching them. I, I will be the guy that uh, will you know turn on the radio or uh, watch the game, or I'll watch the replay, or if there's a really good ending, I'll go on YouTube and watch it. I mean, heck, last night I was on YouTube just kind of trying to wind down and. If, sign into my youtube account you know you usually get like a couple of videos that they recommend for you and it'll say something like oh you know watch the 20 best endings to march madness and then all of a sudden like kevin durant and russell uh kind of headbutting pops up and then i see like andre and kevin durant headbutting like and all of a sudden i, I get into this thunder memory lane on youtube and i just kind of start going back but uh you know what tanking or not um you know they, they're they're a fun team to watch i'm really excited to see what they have ahead of them um, and it's pretty cool to be a meteorologist and have the lone professional team in town uh, be named after a weather term. I mean, it, it does not get any better than that as a sports fan. Now, back east, it's not nearly as big of a college football area. Were you, whenever you made your way out to Oklahoma, shocked? Or um, I mean, did you expect how big of a college football state this is? You know, I was... I kind of, I was, I was kind of mad at my, uh, at, at my first university that I went to. Both of the universities I went to at that time, because I, I went to Old Dominion and then I went to North Carolina at Asheville. Neither of them at the, at the moment had college football, so I never, I never got into the whole college football thing, and I missed having that, that atmosphere in college. Um, so when I moved up, when I moved up here, uh, I mean, I was like, wow, like people take their, their college football pretty seriously here, um, and so, but it was fun, you know. I kind of felt like. 
I was kind of able to go back and kind of fill in the void that I didn't get in college as far as, as far as, uh, you know, a, a football team. Um, now, while I was at Old Dominion, women's basketball back in the late 90s was huge there. My, my freshman year, we went to the, uh, to the NCAA championship, and this was when Tennessee and UConn were making the run as well. So basketball, college basketball, you know, I mean, I was, that was my thing. But it, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I absolutely love it. My wife is a uh, Texas Tech grad, and so, um, you know, Texas Tech is kind of one of those universities where when someone tells you that uh, they went to Texas Tech, it's like around here, they're like, oh. Well, that's cute. You know, it's not like UT where they're like, <laughs> so, oh man, so like I, you cannot, you cannot be in the same house with me if you're a UT fan. So we'll go to games and, uh, and it, a couple of years ago, she used to always say like, you know, we're, our daughter is going to go to, is going to go to, to Texas Tech. And now it's kind of floated over to like, you know what? I wouldn't mind if she went to Oklahoma right down the road. I can, I can see the stadium from my house, you know, and, and, and more. And so, uh, you know, Oklahoma's pretty good. So we, I love, I love football this past year. Um, I didn't know how it was going to go pandemic football season and if it was going to be entertaining at all, but it was actually, it was fun to watch, you know, even though every game was like, is it going to happen this week? Is it not going to happen? Um, they made it work. And so I, I cannot wait to get back into a stadium. I cannot wait. Damon, I, I know how busy you've been because uh, I've been watching you constantly on television for the last four days. My wife loves your weather coverage. So uh, we really appreciate the time, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, it's always fun to talk weather, talk sports, talk, you name it. Um, please, you know, whenever, whenever you guys want to talk, I will be happy to join you all. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Well, Ted, that was a little different, but I liked it. The life of a meteorologist absolutely fascinates me. No, he was great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was good to hear, you know, kind of how different it is back East to, to hear. And, you know, I assumed as much, I was going to ask him like, what, what a meteorologist is like, what is the best job out there? And I, I mean, it makes sense. It's Oklahoma. Or San Diego, that's got to be good too. If 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 you're lazy, but to be able to call the same thing every day, yeah, it, ice storms, tornadoes, winter weather stuff. I mean, we get it all here, so it's got to be a lot of fun for them. I mean, he's at the, from what I understand, he's kind of at the pinnacle of his pro- profession. Well, yeah, that's pretty I cool. Mean, it's yeah, pretty it, cool. It is, and like it's like the. Really, it ends up being like the all-star team in Oklahoma as far as like the best in the country come here. Pretty cool. I'm a Damon Lane guy. I'll, I'm not scared to admit it. Okay, let's move on to our segments. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. Your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. 
Tell them we sent you. Also, if you're a sports fan, you need to call our friends at Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite team from home this year, which is why you need to get a home theater system from the great people at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audiovisual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my Wi-Fi has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, for the National College Football Roundup, really just one major thing I wanted to talk about, Ted, and that is Gus Malzahn. He is the new head coach at UCF, signed a five-year, $11.5 million contract there. Just a reminder, he's getting all of the $21.5 million that he has owned, that he has owed from Auburn on top of that. It, it, and it feels like a really solid hire. For UCF, this is a guy that has won the SEC West, uh, took Auburn to a national championship game, and maybe most impressively impressively of all was able to beat Nick Saban in Alabama three out of eight times. I mean, no, no one else even came close to having the success that Malzahn had against Saban. But I watched that opening presser he had, and that dude is fired up. For this job, it seems like it seems like he is motivated. Usually, getting fired and a little embarrassed will do that for you, Ted. But what would you think of the hire? I mean, it's a good hire for Ooh, UCF. You don't it love is. it? Well, I mean, it, it's a good hire. I mean, it, it really is. He did a good job at Auburn. You know, he, he's, he's been so like, rarely would a place like UCF get a coach coming from that big of a program recently that, you know, didn't have the best success there, but did have a good amount at times, wasn't consistent, but did have good success at times. You know, it was between Gus Malzahn and Jeff Levy, who's the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. And I really thought Jeff Levy was going to get the job. I, I thought that that really fit with what UCF has done recently. Uh, now, obviously, they got a new athletic director who came from Arkansas State, so I'm sure there's a connection there with Gus Malzahn whenever he was at Arkansas State before Auburn. So I, I, I was hoping Levy was going to get it, but it is a good, solid hire for Central Florida. It is. I mean, you got a guy that's got uh, – he's well-known. He, he's a nationwide name. Did a pretty good job recruiting there at Auburn. I don't know how much of that was Auburn doing the recruiting or Gus Malzahn. I mean, that's a pretty big program that that has you know gotten good players for a long time, not just during his tenure. So it is a it is a good hire for him, but it was a bit of a letdown because I wanted Levy to get it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I wanted Levy to get it. You always want the OU guys to kind of move up in the ranks, right? But He's going to get one. I mean, oh, yeah. He's going to get one next year, I bet. If the right job comes open next year, he's going to get it. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. But when, when you look at this job, it, it is interesting because UCF's fans, they, they've got high expectations now, right? It, it's clearly not as intense as Auburn, but 
This is a program whose fan base has got used to going to New Year Six games. Uh, so that's the expectation. And I'm I'm really interested to see what the offense looks like because Malzahn came out and said, hey, I'm going to call the plays. Uh, so that kind of settled that. But if there was one thing that Hype did well there, it was rack up yards and score points. And what I think, because I think Tennessee put it out on the graphic, uh, I think UCF, the only team in the country to be top five in total offense over the last three seasons. So they have been playing really well offensively. And let's just be real. Malzahn's offense has struggled the last three years he was at Auburn. So I I just wonder what it's going to look like. Is he going to be able to implement kind of that wide open up-tempo style? Or are we going to see a quarterback run the ball 15 times a game, Ted? That's where I, 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 I really am curious to see what it, what it looks like for him offensively next season. Yeah. You know, it's interesting really what got Malzahn his, his notoriety was the up-tempo stuff. And I mean, it was really, it was ton of quarterback run game. It was basically a, a new spin on option football is really kind of how he got rolling in the sport and, you know, made his come up. But whenever you get to the big boy football, you're in the SEC, those defenses can catch up to you pretty quickly. And if you don't have the right player at quarterback, just an all-out world beater, it's really hard to make much of a difference. And I think that's where they really struggled is they weren't able to get that dynamic athlete in there that could kind of go in there and take over the game athletically. Will he be able to do that at Central Florida? Probably more likely, given their competition, that you can have a guy that has in the ball that has the ball in his hands that's the best athlete on the field. It'd be a lot easier at that level than it would be at the SEC. So I imagine there's going to be a bit of a resurgence of his offense. But you know, the other thing is, you know, college football, people are always going to adapt. People pay a lot of money for these coaches to catch up to these offenses. And defensively and you know, it's not just in the Big 12. I think it's, uh, for the most part, nationally, we're starting to see a resurgence of defense coming back, catching up to some of these offenses a bit. Yeah, and one thing to remember, I think Dylan Gabriel was an option quarterback in high school. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be shocked if Malzahn runs him a little more than we've yeah. seen him. I, I mean, they he's been a pocket guy right the last couple of years so we'll see how that is but there there is one thing that Gus Malzahn said in his presser Ted that I wanted to get your thoughts on he called UCF one of the top 20 coaching jobs in all of college football now when you look at that job great location great facilities they spend like a power five school you're going to be more talented than pretty much all of your opponents when you're at UCF. But I I just, I, I wonder, I guess it probably depends on how you look at top 20 job. Like, is it a top 20 program where you can make the college football playoff right now with how the format is? No, it's not in my mind. But if the playoff expands, does it then become a top 20 job? If we're just talking about getting to the college football playoff, then yeah, that they've probably got one of the easier paths. So I, 
I don't know, but when he said that, it, it made me think long and hard about it being a top 20 job. And I was like, I don't think you can say a group of five jobs, a top 20 job. It really depends on like everyone's criteria for the best job is different is like, for me, the best job may be where I can stay close to where I'm from and have a chance to win a national championship. The best job for the next guy may be where I can make the most money, win my conference, be stable. I mean, everyone's criteria is a little bit different. Now, if you, what are the positives of UCF? Well, one of the positives is you can recruit only from your own state and legitimately win your conference every year and have a chance at least with an expanded college football playoff to make it every year, right? Or under the current rules, make a New Year's Six Bowl every year. You got a really good shot to do that, and you never even have to leave your state. Uh, you know, it's Florida is a great place to live. Um, the weather is, is, is really good year-round for the most part. So there are a bunch of positives there. But in the traditional sense of, a top 20 job is a place that pays top dollar, has a chance to win a national championship, and can recruit uh, the top-level athletes in the country. It's not a top 20 job. Right. Now, I don't think it's far off, but it's not top 20. Yeah, I, I do think it's a, it's a job that is a lot better than several Power 5 jobs, right? I, I don't think anyone would argue that but I, I I I'm really curious to see what the next couple of years look like for UCF because I, I can tell you this Ted Gus Malzahn can recruit he recruited me when he was at Tulsa when he was the offense coordinator there now he gave me this sales pitch about five days before he left for Auburn so <laughs> just keep that in mind but it was right before Christmas and he called me and was talking to me and he got to this one point where he took this long dramatic pause and he goes, Gabe, if you come play here at Tulsa, I assure you, you will catch more passes than any tight end has caught in the history of college football. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good. Like, you know, Charles Clay was there. And I was like, you know, he's putting up huge numbers. So I was like, okay, that's something to consider. This is well before I had my OU offer or anything like that. I was like, okay, coach, I, I like what you're saying. He was gone like five days later. But he he was a hell of a salesman as a recruiter. And him previously being the head coach at Auburn, I do think he's going to get some players there. I really do. Yeah. Well, you know, at some point you have to back up some of the promises you make though. Right. I mean, I didn't catch any passes in college, Gus. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I mean that there, there's, a, there's a wide stretch between the most ever and zero, you know, but yeah. You know, it, yeah. <laughs> Believe me. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I do think that there's a chance he does well there. Now, here's the thing. If he has one good year, is he going to take the next thing, Colin? I think yes. 
I think Do you see how that buyout's structured though? No. I mean it basically if he leaves before twenty twenty one is over, he it's like seven million. And then yeah. the next season it's five and then down to three. It's just like this de escalating buyout if I don't even know if that's the right term, but that that's how it's structured. I was looking at it the other day. I mean, I, I, it's an interesting hire for them. I think it's a safe hire for them to get a, a well-known name. And if you're another Power 5 school that – gosh, I'm just trying to think of a name off the top of my head. Most Power 5 schools that are the upper half in their conference, if Gus Malzahn was coming to town, the fan base would not be happy about it, right? They would not be thrilled about it. But Central Florida, given, you know, kind of their standing, non-Power 5, it's a pretty good, safe hire that the fan base, I think, is probably going to be behind, a little bit excited about, and gives you some stability in recruiting. And I don't think there's risk of a massive fall-off. Because what the last one of the times UCF had a great run, it felt to totally fell apart. And I think they had like a winless year following that, right, before they hired Scott Frost. I think it gives you stability and you don't have the risk of having one of those massive drop-offs after losing Hypel. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. They should have hired Levy. <laughs> Fools. All right, let's move on to our winners and losers of the week. Who you got, Ted? Who do you got as your winner of the week? Well, I think I'm going to go with Mets fans because they've been dreading forever that Tim Tebow was going to be called up to the Mets and they were going to have to watch that out there on their, their baseball diamond. Worry no more, Mets fans. You're, you're in the clear. Tim Tebow officially retiring from professional baseball, Gabe. What will we do now? Like, Where will the Tebow coverage be? Is it bad that I didn't realize he was still playing professional baseball? Is that bad? I didn't either. Okay. Um, so I'm not the only one. Good. And I don't mean any disrespect. Any guy that can, you know, it's tough. play football at the level he did. He, he is one of the best college quarterbacks ever. He did win a playoff game as an NFL quarterback. And to be able to play some level of minor league ball, like, dude's an athlete. I'll give him that. He looks great with his shirt off. I'll give him that as well. Well, I mean, he won a... NFL playoff game with somewhere between 90 and 95% of the country telling him he couldn't do it and rooting against him, which, you know, made me end up kind of buying in a little bit and, and liking that little run that he was on there. But yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I thought he had already retired from baseball too. So I don't know. Mets fans are in the clear though. Because a long time everyone was talking about, oh, they're going to call him up just to put butts in the seats. And it's like, I don't know that they're going to go watch that, but maybe they would have. Don't have to worry about it now. Congrats, Mets fans. <laughs> you haven't had any other issues recently. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sickos. What's oh, wrong with God. you people? Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week? Christian McCaffrey? Maybe. I don't Still know. Still holding the grudge, huh? Well, um, I mean, maybe, maybe this is, uh, karma. It's not done yet. And it's not even, I don't even know how likely it is, but like we talked about with the, the draft situation with Ronnie Perkins, 
whenever a story comes out, a lot of times there's where there's smoke, there at least is some type of fire and rumor floating around, maybe McCaffrey to Houston for Deshaun Watson and some draft picks. And McCaffrey would be exiled to that wasteland of a franchise right now. And that would be bad news for him. Because I think Carolina has a chance to be really good here coming up. Yeah. You 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 look at Houston right now. The city is destroyed. <laughs> the franchise is destroyed. Christian McCaffrey is going, please don't trade me there. Please. I mean, coming on the I mean, they've got what's happening right now, but coming on the heels of a couple of really bad hurricane seasons for them, too. So yeah, pretty bad stuff, man. State that of would Texas. be interesting, though. I think Deshaun Watson to Carolina, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, that would that'd be I'd I'd be pumped up for Matt Rule. I I love that guy. I had such a great time interviewing him when he was there at Baylor. So I would love to see Matt Rule get a quarterback like that because uh, I think if he had a quarterback like that, that that franchise is going to be really, really successful. Yep. I'm just realizing how much I've read about like Houston power grids and water and all this stuff in the last couple of days. That thing is a mess, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, they, I mean, just not set up for it. Not set up for this type of weather, which we're not. And you know what? We're six, seven hour drive north of them. So I can't even imagine what it was like down there. Yeah. Some of those pictures are wild. Okay. My winner of the week. Uh, I thought about going with Blake Griffin because he's getting paid so much money not to play. But then again, he also just wants to be healthy and just wants to play and wants to win. So it's just a bummer seeing that. Uh, I also thought about going with Adam Sandler because that video of him doing the Happy Gilmore swing was so awesome. 25 years. Can you believe it's been that long since Happy I loved, Gilmore? Yeah, uh, I love the Shooter McGavin uh, response video. That was awesome, too. That was, Pretty I mean, it's stuff. so good. But my winner of the week is Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. It's starting to trickle out there a little bit, Ted, that some teams have Zach Wilson higher on their big board than Trevor Lawrence, that they've got Zach Wilson as their QB one. Uh, Matt Miller, uh, the NFL draft scout posted something about it. Eric Galco said that multiple teams have Wilson above Lawrence. Uh, Zach Wilson is getting compared to Patrick Mahomes by a lot of different people. Some people are comparing him to Kyler Murray. Like, I don't know if anyone's had a better week than Zach Wilson, Ted. Everyone is loving this guy. He's getting mocked number two in essentially every mock draft now. Uh, it, it almost seems like a sure thing that the Jets are going to take him second overall. Well, um, that is good for Zach Wilson in the short term, but in the long term, I'm sorry, buddy, but whenever people start comparing you to Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray and all those different names and it doesn't happen, especially like when is the last time the Jets have had good quarterback play? Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> I don't know. Was he, he threw like a gajillion interceptions when he was the Jets quarterback, but that's a, like a Jets quarterback to make the Pro Bowl. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I it may be Vinny Testaverde. It, it goes back a long time, and part of like I, I think Mahomes would be a successful NFL quarterback for sure. But a lot of the reason for his success that he's had recently is because they've put the perfect roster around him. You know, so much to, like a quarterback makes a team, but you know, every situation is different. And you go to the Jets whenever everyone's been saying that this kid's the next Patrick Mahomes and the next Kyler Murray, and you're surrounded by a bad football team, that's a brutal area to play professional sports to begin with, much less whenever they start throwing out uh, the best name in, in NFL quarterbacking, probably going to be over the next 10 years and start comparing you to that guy. I mean, those are some standards that are going to be very difficult to live up to. Yeah, I think the only Jets quarterback that has made a Pro Bowl in any recent history is Brett Favre. How about that? Ah, nice. That's uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we we remember his stint with the Jets for uh, it's, it's for for other reasons. Yeah. I was about to say it's he made the Pro Bowl there with the Jets and. That's not what anyone remembers about his tenure there at all. Don't send those pictures, Brett. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> what is do it? it. Uh, Herm Edwards, don't hit send. Don't hit send, you numbskull. Um, okay, my loser of the week. Now, I thought about going with college football spring games because as we anticipated, Ted, the NCAA Division I Council has extended the recruiting dead period for all Division One sports through May 31st. So it'll be interesting to see how many schools just say, okay, we're, we're not going to have a spring game. We're just bailing on the whole thing. But the loser of the week, college football players that play defense. Because... Oh, shocker. Boy, that's that's a strange one. Like, this not is, like that happens all this, the time. I can't wait. This is why I picked this one, because I cannot wait for your reaction. But the American Football Coaches Association has asked the NCAA Rules Committee to seriously consider increasing the consequences for players on defense that fake injuries. You stupid defensive actors, you. The AFCA Ethics Committee. Yes, you're unethical, Ted. The Mm, AFCA Ethics Committee is sick of the acting. They're sick of it. Whether it's to slow down an up-tempo offense or just so maybe the defense can catch their breath a little bit, the AFCA thinks the faking of injuries has got to stop. One suggestion, Ted, is that injured players have to stay on the sideline for the rest of the series instead of just one snap. Now, of course, this would all punish players that actually get injured in a game, but I kind of like it. You fakers you can't fake anymore on the defensive side of the ball. I'm looking at you, Von Miller. We haven't forgotten about what you did at Texas A&M. Well, what's the threshold for faking an injury? If my leg hurts, how bad does it have to hurt for you to say that it's not a fake injury? Who's going to diagnose the fake injury? Is the referee going to now look at your ankle and say, nah, that's good. X-rays are clean. 
he's faking it. He can't come back in. Like, how do you even diagnose that? How you don't? What, this is never going to work. Like, it's impossible to enforce. Yeah, I, I like. I don't know. Well, he's got a cramp. Uh, I don't know. Let me feel that back of that calf muscle. See if that thing's uh, cramping that, up or not. That calf ain't seasoned nearly enough. <laughs> That's not a cramp, son. That's just a little a little I, bite. It's just I don't a little know. bite. I don't know why a ref is a redneck. I have no idea, but, but <laughs> so stupid. But I, you know I what thought I'm saying, was... though? You can't, you can't police that. No, I, I don't think you can't. One thing. I thought about is, you know, could you come up with some sort of, you know, a not fine system? I don't know, but like where you publicly reprimand them or you embarrass them or something like, because this, this is what I think they should do. This is what they should do. If a guy fakes an injury like that, the conference, because everyone has the all 22 film and there's a camera that, basically gets the entire field of everything that's going on. People may not know that. And I think that you should just try to publicly humiliate anyone that fakes an injury and you should put it out on like the conferences, Twitter and the TikTok or whatever the hell people are using the Instagram. And you should publicly shame them because I think that would be more effective at getting kids to stop faking injuries. Like, Coach, I'm not taking a dive. They're about to blast me on Twitter. People are going to be in my mentions just destroying me. I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, I think that that would be the best solution. Yeah, I mean. Public I, shaming. I don't know. Here's the thing for me. What, what's so bad about it? Like, just slowing down the offense, is that the bad thing? Is, is that what we're talking about I, here? I guess they – you know, view it as like bad sportsmanship, kind of unethical. I don't, I don't know. It, it does suck when you're on offense and you got things rolling and a guy just takes a dive like, and the defense gets to get reset. Like that does suck. It does take away your rhythm. But then again, basically all the rules in football are stacked against the defense. Now, so. Let me offer, let me offer an alternative. Ooh. So the reason guys are taking a dive is because the offense is able to dictate pace. The offense is able to decide when people can substitute and when they can't. If they stay in the same personnel package, you can't substitute because they can quick snap you. I think the 12 men on the rule penalty is the dumbest penalty ever. If a fat guy or any guy is sprinting as hard as he can to get off of the field to play and you snap the ball whenever he's an inch away from the sideline and that's a penalty, he's not trying to participate in the play. He's not. He's trying to get off. He's not affecting the outcome of the play at all. He's just trying to get to the sideline. I think the defense should be able to substitute and if a guy is trying to get off of the field and is at least – outside the numbers, outside the hash, doesn't affect the play, then they should be able to substitute if they can get guys on and off without the offense trying to quick snap them and get the guy whenever he's clearly not trying to participate. If they could at least do that, then I would give you the no faking injuries penalty. 
But yeah. that penalty, don't you think that that's stupid that they throw that flag when the yeah. guy's not trying to participate? Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, they're not trying to gain an advantage. Right. And it's almost like, hey, it's almost like, hey, we got you. You know, you mm -hmm. see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, like those guys are are masters at it. This is why teleportation needs to be invented. I mean, what are we doing? Come on, modern science. Like it'll help the fat guy get off the field quick. Just boom, gone. He's off. Quick sub. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on see if this ends up going anywhere. Because yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what do we want? I I guess I'm taking the we and you know taking what I want and saying this is what everyone wants. But you know, I, that's how the world works. That's how we all think. I like good competitive football. I want to see a good offense against a good defense. I don't. I don't care to see an offense late in a drive, you know, just run straight through because the defense is so exhausted that they can't even get to the quarterback. And I know that's currently how the rules are, and that's fine. But, I mean, there's got to be some way for the defense to, to stay fresh and be able to defend these offenses. The way the, the, the rules were wit written for this game they didn't foresee offenses being able to do what they do now. And the defense has had no ability to be able to adjust. They're the ones that end up catching the brunt of every, every single rule uh, the way it was originally written, because, you know, they're, they're so limited by what, you know, only responding to what the offense does. That's my pitch for the defense. Classic defensive guy complaining. <laughs> Classic. Okay, Ted, let's move on to FGTB. But first, Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. For February's Kitchen Cashin, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on their wildcard playing every machines will win an IKO Sapphire Diamond Roasting Pan. These things are awesome. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. And also connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. And send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. I'm talking to you, Teddy. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020 with a 12-to-1 student student-to-teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, 
Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, quick FGTB. FGTB. That is not easy to say, FGTB. Let's start with OU. Uh, Mother Nature simply just didn't want OU and Texas to play basketball against each other this week. Apparently, it got moved, then postponed, then postponed again. And now it's postponed again with no established makeup date yet. So now the Sooners will go on the road Saturday in Ames and on the road Tuesday against Kansas State. They have not won in Ames since 2011, and they haven't won in Manhattan since 2012. So I guess you can view this, Ted, as a solid opportunity for Lon Kruger's group to break some bad streaks and to keep the momentum rolling. But I would have really liked to see them play Texas. Yeah, I feel like we are in the minority on that. I feel like there's a growing number of people that don't want them to play Texas or Baylor, make those games up, just finish out the, the rest of the schedule, uh, have a chance to win the Final Four, uh, maybe go 3-1, and one, maybe sl- uh, split with Oklahoma State. But what they're projected as a three-seed right now with the current bracketology, which is usually uh, pretty accurate, it's like, don't you don't want to lose a couple of games? You're in a good spot right now. Have a good chance to finish second in yeah, the Big 12. You got to remember that when you play a team like Baylor, that really positively affects your net ranking, which plays a huge role in the seeding. Like, right. them losing to Baylor would, it would, especially if it was a close game, it would almost be viewed as a good thing. I know that sounds weird, but I, I kind of think that's how it would work. And quite frankly, I think depending on when the game was, if they were able to get it in, you might be able to win that game against the Baylor team that hasn't played a basketball game in, in quite some stretch right now. So, yeah, I would have loved to see Texas. I think they would have beat Texas. Uh, Oklahoma's just in a good spot right now, man. They're, they're playing really good basketball. And, you know, from where they started the season to where they are now, they've been on uh, an ascending pattern. And I don't know what their peak is. I really don't. Um, I, I think this group is is playing really good basketball, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think they could be an Elite Eight team. Uh, I do. And Keith depend- Gibson, dude, he has been on fire from three over the last four or five games. That dude can shoot the rock, and Austin Reeves is doing a good job finding him too. I like yeah. Austin Reeves. I think he's I think he's going to be first team All Big Twelve, and he he's grown on me. His his all around game has grown a lot this season. He's so good at getting to the foul line. They don't have just anyone smart. else that can get to the, the stripe. Yeah, just get easy points. I mean, does a really great job, and his passing has been pretty impressive. He's he's pretty legit point guard for them. I mean, I've been impressed. Well, okay. you know, that's the one thing that we, we saw whenever he was out for that stretch, that, what, one or two games, uh, and um, – Oh, gosh, I'm trying to blank. Uh, had to take over point guard duty. Davion Harmon. Davion Harmon, like, he had he couldn't come out of the game. Like, we do not have a third ball handler. So, I mean, it just shows you that, you know, if, if we don't have Austin Reeves there, and, and people pointed this out, though, that, you know, he's he, there's so much better whenever he's running the point. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, one, one thing about Oklahoma State basketball, I interviewed Cade Cunningham for the first time this week. Ted and I'll say this that kid just gets it I mean he he gets it he was he was great in their win over Iowa State still turning the ball over too much and those are his words not mine 
while I agree with him, he acknowledges that, that that's the biggest weakness in his game right now. He's just turning it over too much. But when I was talking to him, he just constantly talked about what he needs to do to improve his game and to help his teammates get better and for them to win games. So I, he talked a lot about how he likes getting his teammates involved and you know growing their confidence. And it looks more and more like we're going to see Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State in the NCAA tournament, which is awesome, which is what we all want. It's what, when is that? Do you, any idea when that ruling is going to come down? I, I, we asked him about it and, and they had no idea, but I think if something was going to happen, it would already happen. I, I don't think now the NCAA is pretty heartless, but I don't think they do it a month before the tournament. You know what I mean? I still go back to my original theory. The fax is sitting on a on a printer in the back room that no one has even seen yet. They have Good. no idea they're supposed to be working on this. Good, because I want to see Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State playing the tournament. Now, the interesting thing about him, like he he's not, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be a Big 12 player of the year. I think it'll probably be Jared Butler from Baylor. But I am convinced that this kid, just from the attitude, clearly the talent, that he's got, but the attitude he seems to be approaching everything with that, that this kid is going to be a great pro and the, the greatest strength of his game right now in my mind, as I watch him is his passing. I do think he's got some shades of Luka Doncic, LeBron in that area of his game. He has two or three passes every game when I'm watching him where I go, how the hell did he see that guy? Like, and I, I asked him about it. And he was like, well, I really don't look at the guys guarding me. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I, yeah, I kind of look through my defender and I can like see everything else. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, sure. <laughs> but that must I, be nice. Yeah. I think he's going to be even better as a pro because there'll be more spacing, but he's an impressive kid, man. I'm telling you, he's an impressive kid. Was he a shoe in number one overall pick? You look at Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. I know some people really, really like him, but every mock I've seen still has him going number one overall. Who's gonna? Who you think has that pick? Oh man, Minnesota's really, really bad. But you got some teams at the bottom of the East. To well, it's not going to be the Thunder. By the way, they are uh, they are down sixty-seven fifty-eight in the third against the Grizzlies, unfortunately. But Shea's back tonight, so that's fun. But you look at – let me pull the standings up real quick. But I think the two teams at the bottom of the East are Detroit and Cleveland. That would be such a damn shame if he ends up in Detroit or Cleveland. But – so right now you look at the bottom of the league – the bottom of the East, you got Washington, Cleveland, Detroit. Bottom of the West, you've got Minnesota and then quite a bit of a gap. Next team is Houston which we have that swap, so you never know. Maybe if something goes wrong, maybe he falls well, in the draft, maybe he ends up on the Thunder. I doubt it, though. There's no way he's, get, no way well, he's getting the four or five. They do have a ton of assets to, to trade, but I don't – I mean, I can't imagine anyone dealing the the number one overall. So You never know. A ton of picks, yeah. Uh, quick note about the Thunder. Like I said, they're losing the Grizzlies right now. So, you know, by the way, John Morant back. That guy's legit. Stud. But Dame Lillard just must really enjoy causing the Thunder 
and Thunder fans' pain. There was all the drama about should the game be played or not because of the power issue and all that. And then what a shooting display at the end of that game by Damian Lillard. I I mean, there's there's not much more Lou Dort could have done than than what he did defensively. That dude is just a monster from deep. And I I just it's one of those things where you go, okay, yeah, we've seen that before. Thanks, man. Awesome. If a guy is burying 30 footers off the dribble, there's really not much of a defense for that. I mean, there's not no. a whole lot you can do. No. So he's amazing. There's, yeah. some, there's some really good players in the NBA right now. It's got to be it, this, this era of the NBA is just, it's amazing. There's a really ridiculous is. amount of guys averaging over 20 points a game this season. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but the shot making, that's what makes the NBA so fun to watch. The, these guys ability to create and then make tough shots. Like, it's so fun to watch they're so good at basketball i know that sounds stupid but they're so good at basketball and on that note episode 87 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop monday morning the new head coach of the south carolina gamecock shane beamer will be joining us yes shane beamer on monday's episode just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.